Joining me now on the Sunday Spin for our media segment is Mike Miltich. He is State House correspondent for the Quincy Media Stations in TV stations in Quincy, Peoria, Rockford, and Harrisburg. Mike, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, truly an honor. It's a really cool thing to be a part of this tonight. Oh, you see, you're too young. It's you, you would know it's not really an honor. <laughs> Come on. After after the last uh, week that we've been through with the Springfield uh, coverage, uh, no, this is the easy part tonight. This is the this is the dessert. Nothing honorable about it. Um, well, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and what you're a, you're a you're a Tinley Park guy, right? Oh well, I grew up in the Alsip area. Alsip, so, okay. Oh, geez, yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. I knew it was South Burbs. I'm sorry, I got my South Burbs confused. But so, I mean, I was just explaining to a colleague what like Quincy Media is. In some respects, it's kind of like it was like the Tribune with the the newspaper, the TV station, radio station kind of thing. Except they've really evolved out, and you've got a heck of a job to do. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We uh, really brought together this bureau within the last year. Uh, the discussion started, and I was working as a reporter in Peoria for Heart of Illinois ABC and 25 News WEEK. And I found out this was finally going to be an opportunity for the company. And this was something that they'd been hoping for for years. And as soon as I knew that this was a possibility, I, I loved it state government. I was here in Springfield for grad school and got a public affairs reporting degree, and I wanted to get back, and this was just a great opportunity to do that, so I'm happy that we're here. And uh, yes, and, and frankly, if anything, we need more coverage of state government rather than less, and unfortunately, that's been kind of the declining factor these days as we've seen what's been going on uh, particularly with the print media. So it's the, the more eyeballs, the better. Um, so after, uh, after a few hours of sleep last night, um, I, I, I've really been kind of surprised. I was surprised that they got as much done as they did in Springfield. I mean, this is, this is not a, a, a legislative body that moves quickly. Um, uh, but I did, and, and maybe, uh, Senator Sarah Feigenholz touch on this a little bit. I I did detect a bit more sense of duty than what you would see during a, a normal legislative session. I I would agree with that. Uh, this is the third time that I've covered the end of a session. Uh, obviously, this isn't the first special session any of us have seen of this sort. Uh, there were many points where action was very slow. And things were much different with the House uh, down a few streets away from the Capitol at the Bank of Springfield Center. Uh, that was very awkward for uh, treatment and movement of uh, bills because something would pass in the Senate. We had to wait quite a significant amount of time before they could even touch it over in the House. So I, I do think that there were some uh, high moments where they were working quickly, but there were also many moments where members just walked around uh, several moments of recess. But I do think that they knew what they were there to do during the special session. Uh, I, I was shocked, honestly, that it wrapped up this morning. I thought that we could be possibly uh, wrapping up tonight. 
Oh, I, I, I actually thought we could go well into another week, um, uh, particularly, and obviously it didn't happen, but particularly when it looked early earlier that there might be a possibility of Washington actually doing something and that they might stick around uh, or, or even try to come back. Uh, if it looked like there would be some kind of a federal aid bill coming out of uh, out of D.C., um, so I, I I thought either they would try to get it quick and and just roll over any opposition and get it done on Friday. Uh, so knowing that they didn't, I, I had every expectation that we were going to be up until two or three this morning. <laughs> yes, that was quite something. I, I was over in uh, the house, uh, the poor reporter there with Amanda Benicki, and we, we were both there the whole entire day, and we got to leave, and we realized, wow, the Senate is, isn't even done yet. <laughs> so my colleagues were over there waiting throughout the early morning hours. Uh, we, we all uh, got home very late, and we were able to get a, a few minimal hours before I had to hop over to the Capitol for the press conference today with the governor. Yes, which you were uh, the pool reporter on, which is uh, part of why I asked asked a question. But we're going to, we're going to talk about that in the second part of this interview. But I, I guess I I was curious what your take was about, um, along with that sense of duty, if people you know we had legislators primarily on the Republican side clamoring that they should be called into session that the the legislature needs to be a co-equal branch of government in this pandemic reaction and yeah they did the budget they they did you know a number of things but when it comes to the pandemic response other than uh, some items about workers comp some items in the budget i'm not sure that that statement of being a co-equal branch of government actually really surfaced yes uh, a lot of members actually from the republican party specifically in the house where i saw it uh they weren't necessarily done last night uh they they kept saying that we should be doing more uh some even mentioned that they felt uh lawmakers weren't even trying to help out uh specifically uh, in regards to the budget um, others, uh, earlier on in the, the week of special session, the Senate Republican caucus held a press conference outside saying that they wanted to make sure that there was an opportunity to discuss the Restore Illinois, that reopening plan, uh, to possibly vote on that and get, get a chance for lawmakers to discuss that because that is where that co-equal branch of government has come up the most. And lawmakers then never got that chance. No, and and I, I I wrote about how uh, Republicans kind of sensed a opportunity in this session, but in many respects, uh, that opportunity kind of faded away. It faded away when you had uh, State Representative Darren Bailey uh, doing his self promotion by not wearing a mask and getting kicked out, uh, only to. Uh, steal the thunder away from a republican likely republican victory with the emergency rule that 
uh, Pritzker withdrew that would have charged business owners in violation of his rules with a Class A misdemeanor. You know, that was a significant victory for Republicans. And, and also it was a telling one because it, it was a sign, too, that there, was, there were Democrats that were disgruntled about that. But I want to ask you more about kind of that, that kind of dynamic of Republican-Democrat when we come back. But we're going to take a quick break. I'm speaking with Mike Militich. He is State House correspondent for the Quincy Media Stations in Quincy, Peoria, Rockford, and Harrisburg. I'm Rick Pearson. This is your Sunday Spin. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. And joining me on the phone from Springfield is Mike Militich. He is Statehouse correspondent for the Quincy Media TV stations. Uh, they cover Quincy, Peoria, Rockford, and Harrisburg. We're talking about the adjournment, uh, which seems like only a few minutes ago, of the Illinois General <laughs> Assembly, which was about 2 a.m. this morning, uh, of their special spring pandemic uh, session. And before we went to break, we're uh, talking kind of about the uh, – obviously the the partisanship that existed uh, and always exists uh, but i also got the sense too that you know there there are an element of democrats that uh, given either the, the region that they represent because it's it's more downstate uh, but also rural areas uh, closer to the city that democrats too there is some unease about uh, the governor's uh, reopen phase reopening, obviously the the issues linked to you know why are certain ex urban counties linked to northeastern Illinois, for example, kind of what we've seen down in Madison County in the metro east area with Democrats there, kind of bucking the governor's reopening, and I think it it and I can't remember who the speaker was on in the house. Uh, who who basically was saying about how there is no input uh, the Republicans complaining there is no input on this and said and I can tell from the heads nodding on the other side of the aisle uh, that many of them dis- many of them agree with that uh, you were you're you were in the chambers uh, I mean did you get that sense absolutely I, I feel this is always mentioned that there's that that sense of partisanship, uh, but there there was a certain level of uh, toxic energy as well because lawmakers came in feeling that they had no power for such a long period of time. Uh, many people that spoke during debate, it, not necessarily uh, in regards to the budget, but when they were talking about uh, the plan that would basically create this task force, this review. Uh, team that would look at Governor Pritzker's stay-at-home order the rest of the time that we're here through Restore Illinois, uh, they, they were concerned that it would only be 13 members. Now, you know that both chambers have a lot of members. You have 118 that are over in the House alone, and people were very upset to hear there would be that small amount of a group, and they're only going to have to submit a report in July, we're basically going to be done with Restore Illinois by that point if things go as planned. So many lawmakers, as you mentioned, on both sides of the aisle were speaking their opinions about that. 
Yeah, and and plus the question too of is it just another task force? I mean, you know, right. if you, if you want it, to, <laughs> right. and again, it's it's like uh, as we have seen many times is one of the great ways to dispose of an issue is create a task force and uh, that report goes in the file circular file drawer when it's issued of course the opposite of of the complaints about the that small size of this task force on the reopening plan is the converse of that is you if you remember the property tax task force where i think everybody who's zip code that started with six was entitled to be a member of that and what did that mm-hmm. what did that property tax task force end up doing Absolutely nothing. Um, but, I mean, obviously the task force on the reopening, weaker than what Republicans want, but I, I also think weaker than, than frankly, some, some Democrats wanted because it really wasn't any kind of an oversight committee. It was merely a advisory recommendation-type body. Right. Right. I, I definitely got that feeling as well. And th- these uh, specifically with, with some of the Republicans that were speaking about this leading up to this special session, they just wanted to have that input. Input was the biggest word, like you mentioned. And Governor Pritzker touched upon this during his press conference today uh, when he was asked about the uh, toxic energy during debates. He said that many of these members on both sides of the aisle have good conversations about him, that they want to be involved and he had an interesting uh, quote during that press conference saying that lawmakers didn't want to be involved in the early phase of the stay-at-home order. Yeah. But I, uh, that, that doesn't sound like that is true at all. Well, and, and I thought I, I, when I heard that, and I, it kind of struck me as um, very interesting to, you know, here again, co-equal branch of government and the fact that, well, they didn't really want to be involved and let me drive the train. And, uh, you know, that I thought that was an interesting takeaway that he made there. And now, it, certainly there's some aspects with this budget with the uh, unprecedented, well, I won't say unprecedented because that's not true, but certainly with the expansive powers that they gave him about, you know, moving money around and those kinds of things. Um, yeah, the legislators did kind of uh, afford him uh, more leeway, but it's not like it has been done in the past with governors in Springfield where the legislature just kind of says, uh, all right, here's the money, you make the cuts. Here's a lump sum budget, have at it. They didn't do that. Correct. Uh, and some during debate last night were bringing up that they feel we've already been under months of emergency power. This is only going to extend it. And Democrats argue that that's, that's not the case, where we're going to allocate the funds and make sure Governor Pritzker can split them up in between any of the departments or any of the spaces that need the money the most with input from lawmakers. But many did not uh, see or hear it in that manner. And they, they were afraid that they're not going to be involved in the discussion here. They, they kept saying that the residents want to have their voice heard. And several Republican members said, we are here in Springfield for a reason. And many felt that even though we went into four days, uh, they didn't get those voices expressed. 
Yeah, and 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 the governor too tried to make it uh, a point that yeah he talks to not only the Republican leaders but talks to rank and file Republicans and that uh, basically what the partisan displays on the floor are, are basically you know just playing to the crowd at home and that's not really the case but I mean certainly the issue of input has been one that has been raised on both sides of, of the aisle I want to ask you about uh, and thank you for asking my question as, as pool reporter today down at the governor's office uh, about that yeah. issue of, of local funding and uh, I truly was kind of struck by, I thought there might be more of an effort to try to help local governments. And I, I think it was uh, Representative Ryan Spain from Peoria who mentioned mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, looking at this budget, he sees three firehouses closing in Peoria. I mean, that's not good. No, the three fire stations in Peoria and also 28 police officers, uh, all being cut from the city budget that they're discussing and that that is a a big cut right there uh seeing that i worked in peoria most recently uh i obviously saw how that that city was trying to uh, grow and make sure every area was covered now i'm seeing that that's a you know large metro area right just think about some of these smaller communities that may not have a metro center. Uh, m- many lawmakers are concerned about that. And I even saw today when this was mentioned, Brad Cole from the Illinois Municipal League was there to speak today. And he mentioned during his speech that uh, we're, we're not done, Governor. Yeah, I, I, I picked up on that too. And, and I thought it was very interesting and that the way he labeled, basically he labeled mayors uh, from throughout the state as being in a no-win position. Uh between uh, the demands of their residents and the orders that he's supposed to follow. That that could definitely be seen, and especially for any that could be first-term mayors. What a tough position they're in right now. Uh, or, or specifically, anybody that is trying to make sure they could revive their economy if they had something, a big business leave before this all happened. Uh, It's impacting, as you uh, mentioned in the question today, you know, uh, municipalities are a a creature of state government, and that that is a huge part. A lot of people don't know that the state government means much more to you at your local level than the national government would. Right, and and that's that's why I, I threw that on there. Is the the, the, the cities are, are come from come from the state, and therefore there's there are some uh, greater state responsibility to ensure that they can function properly uh, when the state you know has has more resources than what's available for local governments. I will say one of the key things also from a Peoria lawmaker that I caught uh, shortly after Representative Spain spoke uh, was kind of a, a positive uh, portion of the budget. Uh, Representative John Gorn Booth had mentioned how important it is to have violence prevention being a, a part of this budget for investment. Uh, obviously, we're in Memorial Day weekend, and she lost her son, DJ, to gun violence six years ago, and she, she was a lawmaker and had to go home after they passed the budget to find out that happened. Right. And 
she she had a very impassionate speech on the floor last night talking about that, that she wanted to share the story because it's important to know the work that they do can impact the communities that they serve. And those lines in the budget, those numbers that you and I look at all the time, uh, literally are life and death. That, that was really something and truly a moment for the whole entire chamber. Republicans and Democrats stood up to listen to her story, and they had a moment of silence as well. Yeah, I think uh, that took a lot of people's breaths away who weren't familiar with that with the story of, of that. And, and yeah, uh, sure, we're talking dollars and cents, but uh, that, that translates into people, too. And... You know, this when you're dealing with a 2,188-page budget document, um, you kind of forget sometimes about the people and the programs that are behind it. Um, but it's, uh, to me, this is basically a fluid document, uh, the budget. And, and much as I see kind of the phase three, uh, quote, reopening of the state, I think is going to be very much a fluid affair. Uh, as as there's more negotiations about things happening uh, to maybe kind of expand uh, what the orders are, obviously, you know, following health guidelines. Uh, but uh, it's not going to be simple times ahead. No, the, the governor mentioned that, and he was also asked if he would be extending uh, the, the stay-at-home order at all, his emergency powers if needed, and that that's still up in the air that he's still discussing what could uh, happen or what needs to happen moving forward. That's Mike Militich. He's Statehouse Correspondent for the Quincy Media Stations in Quincy, Peoria, Rockford, and Harrisburg. Mike, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. You have a great rest of your weekend, sir.